Hey, this is episode 50 of Radio Free Demos, and we have a guest host today, Plushy. Unfortunately, there was a number of weird audio glitches uh, made possible by the kind assistance of Skype. So uh, the first two-thirds of the episode is pretty strong. There's still some garble, but after about 48 minutes, it gets really difficult to listen to. I feel like a lot of the strong content was front-loaded, so that's good. If you make it through the end, we're glad you're with us. Welcome to Radio Free Demos, an Ixendraconis fan podcast broadcasting from a post-Demos orbit on Voltaire Station. This week's episode is, oh my gosh, episode 50, uh, uh, Cog Dogs. Um, and with us today, this week, is Plushy, who has probably listened to more episodes of this show than anybody, certainly any of our hosts. Mm. So we're really glad to have you here. Uh, that's a uh, high praise, you know, listening to them once. <laughs> that, that's more than our hosts. Um, um <laughs> <laughs> who didn't know we had a theme song for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, what is your uh, species? Uh, okay, thank you. Okay, well, that's the end of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Reach back to almost the very beginnings of our podcast then. Are you a blip or are you not a blip? So the joke there is that our first episode, we had an argument about whether snow leopards could exist at HSD, wasn't really an argument. It was just kind of a conversation because at the time the rules for anything non-standard seemed to point towards make it a blip. Ah, uh, yes. I, uh, in one point now, there would have to be a blip, I believe. Well, d- did they actually list specifically what species of cats counted as cats? I don't think they did. Ah, uh, there was lion and lion and, and lion, and that's all I remember. Okay. It was close enough to, you know be a lion uh, manimi would you just play episode one all over for us <laughs> well, now we're done okay <laughs> episode not found <laughs> um well I, ashtar is looking smugly at me because i think you backed up his opinion during that episode um <laughs> my, my opinion was that everything falls into the category of cat that does not clearly fall under the category of lion which right. is how 2.0 handles it yeah, they're a bit more explicit about that now. Oh, we got our 2.0 heartbounds. It's very exciting. You can yeah. definitely kill a small dog with them. Very mm-hmm. pretty. Yeah, it was uh, on par with a, a good Pathfinder book. Wedge a small door open with it. Stop a small car with it. You know. It's on par with large pieces of masonry. <laughs> so, since this week's topic is going to be uh, cogs, cog genetics, and cog dogs, uh, I'm going to ask our hosts, Wines, Ashtar, Plushy, and myself, Corvo, uh, what is your next COG chassis upgrade going to be? I'm going to reach back to Clifford D. Simiak's book. What was the story? Uh, the, the Werewolf Principle. Um, where Okay, I, I won't recapitulate the story, but w- w- there's a shape changer, and one of his identities was Thinker. Thinker, by preference, took on the shape of a three-sided pyramid, Oh. A D4. God damn it. I'm such a gamer. I have to call them D4s. But that's just a kind of a beautiful, geometrically perfect shape. Very efficient for sitting around and computing things. And therefore, completely inappropriate for cogs. So kind of in line with our 50th anniversary, our 50th episode, we should also have like a five-timer book reference club as well. <laughs> <laughs> for, for how many times the story's been referenced? Yes. Uh, well, I'm going to go for this uh, new chassis I saw with an extra wide rear bumper uh, because as a bleeding heart liberal, I need to cover myself with bumper stickers. Um, in particular, guns don't kill people. Yes, they do. It's new for 2.0. And you can go around with a personal soundtrack if baby got back. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, for myself, I will probably be looking at the new personal flow form projector. If uh, anything else, wandering around as a futuristic gelatinous cube sounds all right by me. So is it bad form to be a cog as a, a, a washerwoman and have a flow form, flow form chassis? Uh, it's innovative. Efficient? Mm. Yeah, but but then you're doing that whole tool thing. Right. Pl- plushy, what chassis are you picking? Uh, the extra soft upgrade. 
unlike the D4 upgrade, it makes you immune to personal liability lawsuits. There you go. Excellent. And, and very nice in like nurseries, safe rooms, that sort of thing. It's a good therapy chassis. Oh, yeah. We've received messages from their spaceships. For a while, it came in as just a lot of jumbled noise. So what set up this particular conversation is about, I'd say, two or three months ago, we were kind of casting around for questions on the HSD Discord chat, link included in show notes, allegedly. And Plushy, you mentioned the kind of as a joke, perhaps creating a cog lateral. There's not really necessarily rules for this. There's not necessarily rules prohibiting this. And so I suggested maybe you could kind of do a guest piece or something like that. And then, as we were setting up for Ashtar's new campaign, Wines wrote up a cog lateral. So I figured, well, scrap the 50th episode plans. Let's just talk about cog dogs for a while. Okay. Which was absolutely adorable, even if we didn't get to use it. Yeah. Yet. Someday. You never know when your character might die. Right? If I like the lateral too much, I'll just kill you off. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so do you guys want to kind of float your ideas for these uh, cog laterals? Sure. Uh, plus, you want to go first, or you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first. Okay. Um, well, w- one of the things I was looking at is I- I- in our campaign, as at all the campaigns, I-, I play hyenas. I've been playing a lot of female hyenas, which means I play the group leader because female hyenas are normally the group leaders. Not everyone understands this, that this is the case, but I do, and I explain it to them. So I was, I was kind of looking at, at, at other options, and... I've always been a big fan of, of art deco art. It's kind of like 1920s, very elegant, tall women, frequently posed with uh, with greyhounds, which are very, very be- high design, beautiful, kind of almost mechanical looking dogs. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be fascinating to have a, a lateral cog like that, like a silver plated, beautiful, it could be the, uh, what's the thing on the front of a, a vehicle called? Hood ornament? Hood ornament. Yeah, kind of a, a hood ornament level aesthetic and just kind of thinking about that kind of reflexively as like you know well, well what would you use that for it's like well nothing it's just beautiful it just looks pretty but then i was thinking wouldn't it be fascinating for the, the the new chassis could be a character who has a boring engineering job like myself in the real world having a midlife crisis and deciding that he wants to be that sports car or he wants to have a new chassis body, which is this beautiful high design thing, which has nothing to do with his actual job. Now, can oh. I, can I at this point reference a uh, five time reference winner, diamond dogs. And I've also just read the story diamond dogs, uh, excellent Alistair Reynolds, uh, kind of horror sci-fi that involves characters slowly being modified into robotic greyhounds. I highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that was also very inspirational or as Ashtar is pointing out, there's that, uh, that liquor commercial, which has the robotic greyhounds racing in the uh, in the desert. Oh, I love that commercial! Really but I think beautiful. I was kind of one of the only ones. I thought it's like the oh well. Anyway, it's these three gr- mechanical greyhounds racing through the desert with like hacker pilots in VR rigs behind them, and then they sell you absolute vodka. I think sure or, and the or, best costumes. Yes, <laughs> fabulous. But um, yeah, and, and I was actually kind of surprised as I was going through this to find that there were not literally literally options for for cogs in the rules, at least the way I was reading them. Not literally, but laterally. Uh, you're funny. Although one can clearly just extend them. It, it's not a big logical leap because, because. but but yeah, the, the, that, that was the concept. You're on, Lushy. The first concept I had was just going the flip route and... Rado Rays, ASR, Progenesis. Essentially, it's almost oh, disabled character in a way because you're in a lateral frame. You're, you know, very limited in your ability to interact with the world. Yeah, I think that you can make an argument that one reason there aren't cog laterals is because it's a somewhat restrictive frame shape. I mean, there are tools to work around it, push frames and et cetera, but it's a strange choice to make. And... There's also some cultural baggage surrounding them as well. They're not super well regarded because of that little ding on compatibility with the rest of the world. At the same time, cogs in general don't want to be tools, don't want to be seen as tools, and just about the furthest you can get from a tool is pure art. Right, right. I mean, 
kind of useless shapes seem kind of ideal by the cog perspective from that. Now, here's my new frame. It's a picture frame. People hang me on the wall. But, you know, <laughs> think... I've got built-in UI goggles. I can still do my social media job and I... display art. <laughs> I feel like y'all are taking the cog idea of not being a tool so far that it wraps around and they become objects. Well, I'm, I'm trying to, yes. <laughs> okay. And in a way, it isn't even disabled because of the whole push frames and all the other future technology of HSD. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the push frames are... They, they, they mention uh, that other vectors have the attitude that laterals are kind of disabled or disadvantaged. But honestly, if you have a white color job, what white color job requires that you do things that a push frame can't accomplish? Now, I mean, okay, the, the, there's some, but most office jobs, I feel like you could do them just fine with a push frame. It's just your office chair would cost more because you're lateral. And it does depend very much on the family. A the reptilia, for example, really don't care. It's too common. Sharks. And canines also aren't all that worried about it. Just part uh -huh. of the back. Lateral sharks have problems. Lateral shark lateral shark cogs would be really <laughs> really dumb. That would be interesting. The the plot hooks essentially would be, you know, you have this essentially ASR mascot to the lateral vectors as well as that received or isn't received. So what was his uh, species generally? I mean, species-like form. Oh, uh, feline shape. You know, very on, smooth, branded, kind of progenitus colors, silvers and whites. Very smooth and clean. Sure. So I was actually pushing Wines when he was developing his character towards progenitus as a primary or secondary corporation. Because in Sound and Silence, I got that name right for the first time ever. Sure. Uh, in Sound and Silence, they talk about how much Progenitus likes their laterals. They make really good combat medics because they can speed in, stealth out, go under line of fire. And uh, they have a good lateral culture there. I think one of the signature characters for Progenitus is a lateral deer. Hmm. Yeah, that's one of the ma major reasons I uh, picked Progenitus. They are very useful tools for their job, which might not jive with a cog, though. Ah... Uh... So I want to talk about that later on and, and why that might or might not be a cultural thing. I have, I have weird semi-restrict opinions on this. I just want to jump back that uh, w w one thing that uh, I think kind of surprised you, Ashtar, when we were playing with this character idea is that, that you were under the impression that cogs did not have a species, which would make complete sense because they're robots, but, but that they do. For, for new players, yes, indeed, they, they do have a species. And I have to admit, admit, as a player, I have kind of a, a hard time relating to how they feel about their species. Because from a non-cog perspective, it kind of seems like, well, okay, you've got cat-shaped ears and whiskers. That's completely cosmetic. You know, how can that be very important to you when you sometimes change out your legs for tentacles or wheels and stuff like that? But the implication seems to be that they really, really tend to stick with their species. So uh, I have two points on that. Yeah. Uh, the first one is 2.0, they absolutely have a species. 1.0, I don't know because I didn't even read the cogs on it. Yeah, I think they, were they just, weren't allowed at the table. They were just fox-shaped. At the time. The other point, though, is from a... Now, from an individual cog perspective, that's one thing. From a megacorp perspective, from a species perspective, having cogs have individual... Uh, families makes perfect sense. You want them to be integrated. You want them to be a part of society. You want them to have allegiances outside of we are cog. Uh -huh. Because if all cog simply had the allegiance of we are cog and we are Borg, then you're not going to get very good assimilation and you're not going to get vectors having that family association. You, you just won't get a very solid integration. So I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and, and I guess if the rest of society has their species, which honestly is as artificial, quote unquote, as cog species, there is as much reason for a vector hyena to be a hyena as there is for a cog hyena to be a hyena. Someone made the decision and lo, it was. <laughs> well, and, and again, the game has elements of wish fulfillment and thinking of myself as a furry. Sure. It's not much fun to parade through the furry world without the species jokes. They're part of who we are. And right. having that, that system, that cultural 
uh, heritage. I don't know. Inheritance is a part of like being a dog in the furry fandom or being a hyena in the furry fandom or being a fox and all that's associated with that in the furry fandom. Right. Or snow leopard. Something I, I like to frequently like to point out to, to, to newcomers to the furry fandom. A lot of them feel like, oh, there's so many foxes and huskies and wolves. I have to be something different is to make the the Oscar Wilde reference. The only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. And if you choose something obscure, there are no jokes um, <laughs> a, a, about you. Like for a while, I played an African wild dog character. They're awesome. They're really interesting, but no one knows what they are. And so, but if I'm playing a fox or a hyena, people will make jokes. They may may not be correct, but they're jokes, and that's more fun than just oh, you're one of those, huh? <laughs> Overall, I think the rules, as written, suggest that there is not as a standard option, any sort of lateral chassis for cogs. They may be available as a non-standard op- a non-standard under-the-counter thing through some independent manufacturer, but it's not something that ASR makes as a part of their default cog catalog. But I have found very solid proof that they do exist. And this is... I cannot cite the page right. number. It's... The back cover. The back cover. The back cover of uh, Core Extended has a hyena a mongoose, and a cog lateral dog. So I think that's that's as close to proof as there is that they could exist. Now, we can't prove it's a cog. All we know is it's, it's robotic and it's a dog. However, the only illustrations we have of utility robots in the game are represented as looking very, very chunky and industrial, whereas the, the little robotic dog is very kind of cutesy, like a desk toy. I'm going to say that it's on, it's on a cover with two very model-looking characters. Sure. And I think it's model number three. I'm I'm taking it as such. Sure, I, I find it totally plausible. Of course, that would that'd be a double because I think that one would be a a micro lateral dog because it's a very small dog. Right, <laughs> their brains are fairly compressible. I'm thinking. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they said that about Chihuahuas too, but that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but their brains have been compressed. Yes. Uh, so I guess what's What's next is, um, for me, is kind of what do we know about COGS that might invite a lateral or not? Um, And this is dangerously close to being one of my standard lists, so I want to avoid that. Well, before we hit the list, I mean, absolutely the first thing that you're going to have to deal with when looking at a lateral COG is who's your storyteller and what do they think about it? Let me throw out there. Now, um what are they called? Tar cogs do exist, right? Yes, and hexapod cogs. So just order one of those and just say, hey, could you leave off the torso? <laughs> you yeah. can do the exact thing. It's called a uh, extended, no, linear configuration. And you just say, my head's down here and I don't have any hands, and bam, um, you're a lateral. Yeah. And, you have, and you have the same exact stats as a, you know, a, a a long sized lateral. Mm-hmm. I think that's only as reliable as your game master is because you've got a, if you've got a really hard line game master that doesn't do the kind of let the rules be flexible, let the rules describe things rather than prescribing them, proscribing them. Rules as written. Yeah, well, rules, rules <laughs> as ironclad. Yes. Uh, which I don't think we have that problem too often and certainly HSD does not lend itself to that problem, but those game masters do exist. We escaped from one in the past. Um, so that is an option for a mechanical perspective is take the like hyperlateral linear shape of the kind of low profile hexapod and work from there. So far as reasons that I don't think you get, you normally get laterals in cogdom is uh, every cog is born with a default chassis. Easy girls. Every cog is born with a default chassis. They come out of their mother's mom unit uh, looking like a little thing. And over the years, they tend to stick pretty close to that, that chassis that they were born with. I mean, presumably they get bigger, they elaborate in small directions, but by like age seven or eight or so, they don't tend to make any major changes anymore. And laterals are not listed as a potential default chassis. Uh, specifically, they say that all default chassis, and by extension, almost all chassis made by mainstream ASR, are going to be humanoid, which is not lateral. There are workarounds. 
but uh, that involves going off the grid, getting a non-standard chassis, possibly making your family pissed at you. The nearest analogy I can think of is that uh, your chassis and your allegiance to ASR are kind of like um, your religion. And if you change your religion or suddenly tell mom that you're a lateral now, you're going to get a lot of family blowback that's going to be hard to shake for a few years. It's a major life decision. Well, there's a there's a deeper problem than that. And this was a one-line kind of throwaway in the COG description, but um, COG consciousness is still kind of a whiffly thing. Same way that vector consciousness is kind of a whiffly thing. They, they've got a real good control over the body, but the mind is still a little bit out there, especially reasons. But um, one of the points that they make is one of the biggest things that separates a cog as an emergent conscious, uh, emergent digital consciousness as opposed to an AI or a tool or just a computer does kind of depend on that continuation of experience. The, the experience of an individual cog has to be somewhat the same to provide like the continuity from past experience to present to keep that personality. There is a question within the cog of if you significantly change your chassis or you significantly change the hardware that you're running on, are you really the same cog anymore? Yeah, I think one way they describe it is, uh, quote, in many ways, cogs are even more defined by their hereditary than vectors are, by their heredity than vectors are, as they don't change their, their appearance. And I think that with heredity, you also have to assume certain things like uh, chassis shape, eye color, some basics of your personality as well. But not gender. Uh, not gender necessarily. Yes, no, we don't know. They, they, they call out a cog's gender identity as, well, first off, they might have them, they might not, but that's separate from what kind of genitalia they have installed. Right, but they also call out cogs have a species, and you can get a different species body if you choose to. The thing is they're not likely to choose to now do experiment and experimentation is allowed but i don't remember reading anything now i mean certainly i see no reason why they couldn't change their species because it's just like ear shape and a few panels here and there but i don't remember them calling out species as something which is frequently experimented with that it's that not recall. it's not frequently experimented with necessarily but it can be done I sure, mean, anything sure. can be done. And I think that's kind of something we wrestle with a little bit is that in our understanding of cogs is there's a lot that they could change, but they choose not to. Whereas vectors, which are kind of an extension of being furries, are all about experimenting with identity and shape. They right. love that sort of stuff. Well, I'm kind of taking this that since they, there's a specific call out to gender being a variable, mm -hmm. that that helps define the general rule, just like the entry for hyenas calls out hyenas like their laterals, which implies... If you're saying this about hyenas, then that implies that the other spe that this is unusual and other species usually don't like them as much. So I, I think I'm going to go on my sideline about why I believe that this is a part of the COG world. Yeah. Um, so first off, has everybody seen Westworld? Yes, yes. Yes. All of you in the listening audience, three of you, have you seen Westworld? <laughs> Westworld is about uh, humans interacting with some very sophisticated androids. And several times in the second season, I think they pull open their uh, magical tablet and they open up the the android's personality, and it's this huge branching diagram of traits and sliders all over the place. And I feel like that's probably a lot of what like looking inside of a cog's DNA is. It's got this huge array of sliders, and those are to some degree permanent, or their initial configuration is permanent. But over time, they can add on to that and like adjust them manually or whatever. But the defaults are always going to be there at a very base level, uh, like a WordPress post or an iterative editing of a, a document. The core is lurking there somewhere. I can't prove that, but a lot of things like eye color, personality, leg configuration, weight distribution, um, I said color preferences already. These things are part of the initial seeds that make up the, um, the little baby cog. Specifically, rule we'll call that out when you're extracting DNA from a daddy or mommy vector and mixing it with cog DNA, but it's probably still there anyway in the programming. There's no reason why it wouldn't be. So when a cog is violating its programming, when a cog is acting in its heredity, I think it's working against that default set of assumptions in ways that may make it a better individual, but it's still steering away from what it was born to be. This is a theory, and it's not really entirely backed up by fact, but I see it. I see evidence of that. Well, that ties so, into my uh, my backup. You know, how does a lateral cog come to be? How how far do you program into? the combination of a vector and a cog 
and how much do you error proof that? And if you have a, a normal cog of whatever frame and a lateral daddy vector, does the, the error not get, uh, what's the word? Transmitted. <laughs> yeah, does it get, does it get transmitted? Do they notice it? And do they even care? Because you're like, well, you know, it is what it is. From a, from my perspective, which is a little bit more on the storyteller side, I would probably not approach lateral cogs as an accident because I don't really think that that type of programming exists to catch glitches in the vector code to transmit into a cog. But that but, doesn't say it doesn't happen. And I've got art of it. Right. Um, however, that doesn't stop lateral cogs from happening. It would just be a very measured decision by the parents. In, in your example, it would be the father who is a lateral, wants a lateral child, and sure. therefore, instead of allowing the normal cog process to go forth as nature and mechanics intended, uh, but rather to design the child. This is no different than how a vector blip comes about. You don't accidentally have a blip as a child. It is a very measured decision, a me very designed decision. I think there's a dropped reference somewhere about um, that younger cogs probably don't have the non-standard, like the maglev floating chassis and the the six-armed water chassis because they're more expensive. They're, de they're not defaults. You're going to outgrow them, so you're not going to get that as a teenager, uh, as, a, as a rebellion thing. And actually, I think I found some evidence that suggests there is no such thing as a teenage rebellion chassis. <laughs> that is not a thing for them. Didn't they say that a lot of cogs go through a, a phase of, of getting wheels put on their limbs? Yeah, but that seems to be as far as it goes. Okay, okay. Which is, which is not a whole different frame. That's just a, a, a extremity swap. Well, they do spe the book specifically says that most major body experimentation happens before age seven or so when they're still in their kind of foundational years. That's my justification. There probably aren't like uh, red painted sports car chassis as early as teenage stage. They may happen at about age 50 or so. This is just a random thought that's making me think of is let's say somebody adopts a cog. Is it, would it be moral to say, you know, hey, we're a lateral couple. We're adopting a baby cog. We would like it to have it put in a lateral body because we're, we're, we're laterals. It seems like that would be. You use the word adopt when I think you might mean the word design. You use the word morality when I, <laughs> when I think you might mean wallet. <laughs> so to get back to my uh, pointless theorizing, I'd like to roll the table back to AE60 or so. Uh, I've been researching year 100 for our next episode, which is going to be this episode, but this episode is more interesting than the next episode, and kind of looking at the things that have happened around year 100. And year 30 or so, the big three uh, corporations spin off. We've got ASR, Genotype, and um, Pulse breaking away from the mommy ship and being their own new things. AE 70 or so, they're starting to do the programs that are going to define them. ASR invents COGS, <laughs> which really does define the company. It's on their logo. I, I think the Genotype starts on the, um, the rat race uh, protection program at this point in time and starts becoming one of the first single species corporations. Mm. Only because they don't live that long. I think they stop at 200 or so. So it's a fairly brief-lived corporation. Pulse, we don't know what Pulse's big signature effort is, but there's some suggestion that they are working on a project to make vectors be all they can be. Uh, this manifests primarily in sports as they create sports programs that show off vector adaptability, like the huge range of things you could do with a vector uh, genetic structure. You can make these 20-foot-tall athletes. You can make life things change your form all different ways their slogan is become limitless so in my head this is i call this project infinite which is a drive to show the vast diversity of vector species um, what we know about this is again totally theoretical but when the cogs are created they break apart pulses plan for social unification social unification and that's written into the books we don't know what their project was how they were going to unify society but I think there were some suggestions that it's this idea of a vision of like infinite vectors because cogs can't do that. They aren't that. Uh, the context for this is that the big three corporations may be trying to oust humanity. Uh, this is a little bit before the silent war. And if you look at humanity, you think, well, they're kind of pink. Uh, they're about five and a half feet to six and a half feet tall. Some of them 
have beards, some don't. Uh, when you think of vectors, you've got pages and pages and pages of what they can be. So this is a way of distinguishing what makes vectors amazing compared to what makes humanity rather dull. Babble, babble, babble. When cogs were created, they would have been created during the same time that Pulse is trying to um, show what makes vectors unique. And I think there might have some things that were hard-coded and then to be different from that, to be maybe handicapped a little bit. Things like, we are not infinitely adaptable. Things like, we have a form, we stick to it. I think these things may be hard-coded at a deep level because at the time, Pulse was experimenting with the absolute limits of what vectors could be. And ASR created this race with a lot of intent not to undermine vectors, or humans possibly at the time either. So this is kind of the, the maybe the DNA of what makes of, of this time period. Um, I, think that vec I think that COGS don't do the adaptability thing because that was at the time what was showing what was like the vector's highest form and highest uh, potential. Anyway, theory, massive extrapolation, but that's my, that's my idea. They're more human than than even maybe even humans at that point. Yeah. They're you know, they're all about figuring out what is life instead of just like, ooh, shiny, how much for that chrome plated uh, nose plate, you know. Yeah, they come across as a lot less insane than vectors. I also I feel like they probably all speak with Minnesota or Midwestern accents as well. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> You betcha. You can also approach it from this angle of you have two different species that are coexisting, and that is a delicate balance. You don't really want them to compete too aggressively because you will start getting competition. You will start getting one that's kind of fighting for the same ecological niche and pushing the other out. So you want them to be a little bit more complementary. And I think if you look at a lot of the standard cog frames, a lot of the cog frames outside of your base model, the familiar model, really start taking forms that vectors don't take. You don't really have an octopus vector. You, you don't have a tank tread vector. Uh, you don't really have much of a flow form vector, you, but you have those in cogs. They're also not free. They cost like 50 or 100 credits more than your standard Macintosh brand chassis. Hey, looking this awesome isn't free either. Do you know how much this fur shampoo costs? I promise you I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's interesting to, to think that uh, timeline matches up, that COGS came around near, is that around the time of mankind going away? I, I, uh, yeah. My history is bad. No, it's, it's about that era. Um, the final gasp of humanity was about one... 50 or so, give or take, give or take 30 years. And I think that the period where humanity was being kind of ousted out of society was probably around 100 or so. But there's a lot there's a lot of like subtle fighting in the background that happens before then and after then. The silent war, which kind of gets them booted off to the moon and to their ultimate death, is about 130. But even when that happens, there's less than 1,000 humans, maybe 2,000 humans on the planets of Mars on even when that happens there's there's about a thousand humans maybe three thousand humans on mars so it's a fairly small population at that point compared to like fifty thousand vectors and it brings up an interesting idea like long-term planning mars co sees this coming down the line and then the runaway change that can just get out of hand without a companion race to keep the vectors in check you're like hey look at this thing it's it's normal it's it's not eight arms and three genders and centipede shaped, like a, a social stop on the uh, everything getting out of hand. Well, and Marsco has never been very pro-change. Um, their central AI sentry uh, was developed from a program that uh, essentially was a limitation on change. Um, the, the Guardian AI of Marsco slash ASR was built on like a, timetable for how vectors should develop which somehow got shut down at about AE50 probably due to ASR anyway neither here nor there Marsco does not like change very much <laughs> uh, so another thing about laterals is um, they're not intentional they never were and um, at about AE30 40 or 50 or so they were actually kind of seen as a problem uh, that was again when cogs were being built and refined 
laterals are considered like a quirk in genetics. Uh, most of the morphisms are kind of accidental. The glow in the dark ones, the sh- the fallen thing, fallen, uh, shadowed tar. These are things that were never designed into the vector life, as far as we know. But they were kept because it's a part of being vector. Uh, and more so than vectors, cogs are created and constructed, and they don't have these random glitches. So there's no real reason to build laterals in there since they are a kind of disadvantaged class because there's no ancestral echo of, well, this is a thing that happens to some, some cogs and we should embrace it. Um, Although, especially at the time <clears throat> where laterals and other mutations were considered slightly disadvantaged, specifically creating a cog to mirror that might be seen as a little bit mocking of the unfortunate or the downtrodden. And that might not come across vectors well. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it could, could probably be easily seen as very a crass move without much taste at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like white face or black face, rather. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, given that part of Cog's breeding pool are vectors and some of the vectors are laterals, it's part, genetically speaking, it's part of your species. But they don't truly inherit. They inherit um, like a weird, funky diagram based on their parents' genetics. And um, it's not the same as actual heredity. Hered- hered- I can't say that word. Actual heredity. It's extracted so is, is from it. So what I'm hearing is you're saying heredity works subtly, subtly differently for them. Right. I'm saying they have a simulation of heredity. Um, I think that what happens is when a daddy vector loves a mommy cog very, very much, uh-huh. and they make a puddle together, um, then that that puddle, or when two cogs breed, probably, I can't prove this, for some reason it's only, it's only described in any detail when it talks about vector cog couplings, that is translated into like the weird branching diagram in Westworld. Well, but... Can't prove it. That's so, because cog coupling is digital and takes in place in microseconds. But I still think it, I think it creates a network of preferences and, and sliders rather than a he, double helix. Well, on the other hand, so a red cat and a blue bird can have offspring. Right. Um, so presumably the red cat has some sort of genetic inf- information that codes for red fur. Uh-huh. The blue bird has stuff that codes for blue feathers. Sure. Um, and if the offspring, uh, assuming that everything went properly, the offspring are birds and cats. Right. Well, a, a, a bird carrying the genetics for blue feathers uh-huh. would express itself by all of the zero feathers they have are blue. Okay. And l- likewise, the the uh, the bird offspring has genetics for red fur. That's okay. great. They have no red fur. Th- th- this is going with real world genetics. However, in the game, they say that when this thing happens. You will inherit, you you will inherit patterns and coloration from parents, even when it doesn't actually genetically make sense. So there's some kind of magic in the DNA going on for everyone. There's some kind of faking of things because there's no way a cat could truly inherit the patterning on a bird's feathers, whereas vectors can. Well, but you said it yourself. Vectors are human DNA plus. Right. So. You, you did have to add the information, the variables for cat and for red fur. Uh-huh. But it's quite possible that it's the variables for cat, for red pattern, and for fur. Switch out just the blue and uh-huh. have a cat offspring with a blue fur. I'm going to shut all of this down here. Um, <laughs> because no matter how much a daddy vector loves uh-huh. a mommy cog, they cannot actually breed without substantial assistance and a special coupling device and some translation software. They have to have Adobe Humpmaster. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, because, because they cannot truly breed without a lot of assistance. There's it, th- there is a translation tool that lets the cog body adapt vector genetics into its own template. Some poor computer engineer had to send an office and map all that out and code it up. Yep. Yep. Welcome uh-huh. to furry. <laughs> well, but, but again, my argument is that the vectors know that that's true of them too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it is fake. It was coded in to work that way. But, uh, but the, the the morphisms weren't. Eh. Therefore, I, I think that they would have some comfort with, you know, yes, a certain amount of determined by software 
is not weird. That is just part of life for all of us. Well, and there's no there's no concrete proof either way on this right, one. Right, um, this is a place where your game master can say whatever they want to about it. Um, but I think we can safely say there's no such thing as a lateral chassis by default uh, sure. because there are lists. On the other other hand, <laughs> metagaming, there's also species and, and options that weren't in, say, book one of HSD that came out later on. With some things, this question of do they not exist in the world or do, have I simply not purchased that supplement yet because it's not for sale yet? Well, you went straight meta there. I, uh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a game world. So on, on meta, um, this is my meta-based argument. Uh-huh. Y'all might know that I like dogs. And so when I played Wraith the Oblivion, anyone? Anyone? I know it exists. I know it exists. Um, one, the first character I made was based on um, the black dog myth, the black shuck. Uh, this is the Bargus, the dog that stalks the souls of the living who are about to die, etc. It's a very standard ghost story. The degree to which I had to warp the game to make a character that looked like the black dog was ridiculous. <laughs> and this would only be, there, there was no way to justify it. It was just cr- stupid crazy. Uh, so when I look at a character that is going to go and get a non-standard lateral chassis, I look at the rules and what do the rules say? that a non-standard chassis that you don't pay for costs the same as a high-end sports car. So it's a very rare and particular and affected character that's going to spend two years of, well, three years of my salary to get a body that is not super functional. There's kind of a a reality warping argument based on what real-life character would do this sort of thing to themselves that I think you could make an an argument for. It's a weak argument, but it's there. So you're basing this on the incredibly small number of sports cars on the road in 20th century earth where the other half of your analogy exists. <sighs> okay. Fair point. And Hey, you don't even get to have sex in those. Well, let me rephrase that. <laughs> it's like the point of obsession that humans and probably vectors and maybe even God get to when they might spend that near how much it, ever it is to get that you know, experience to experience you know what is it to be you know this lateral this rare thing yeah at the low end you get the second tail put in or the little fur tattoo that says plus 15 horsepower or whatever <laughs> so <laughs> we kind of went to, well at our table at least we kind of went to cog dogs immediately because wines is why not wines and i both play canines fairly regularly also also we, we amazingly had no laterals at our gaming table which kind of surprised me that's Except for the ones under our recording table yeah that's true <laughs> um so but i think stepping away from the the cog dog idea um a lateral avian would be kind of neat sure uh sure. because i don't think cogs fly really they have some hover stuff but they don't tend to take wing very often Right, uh, because again, they're based on more or less humanoid defaults. So that's a place where you might, or a, a lateral sharky thing, something that's got a more serpentine or aquatic body. These are places that might actually be compelling for a cog lateral shape. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Well, like a, a cog dog, you're not really gaining anything over like a vector meaningfully. Okay, I just have to say it because it's stuck in my head. Cog Sharknado. Okay, it's out now. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing. You do risk going maybe a little bit too far, though. Uh, Cog is already one step, well, possibly two steps away from kind of a, I, I hate to say a standard default, but kind of the, the core of where you could play, where you're comfortable with, where you have a connection to as a player or as a character. If you really start straying too far from that and you start getting breaking too many of those connections, you can end up with a character that just is nothing more than just a painting because there is no connection. There is no pure there, is Yeah, it's just too far out there. Yeah, that's how I felt about my Wraith character. It was just too bizarre to exist. That's how I feel about a lot of your characters. That, that, that's, that's not true. <laughs> no, that's fair. Shots fired. You, you, you consistently make just characters that, like, wow, it's amazing that you could stack all those cards on top of each other. But <laughs> what can they do except stand there and then collapse at some point? <laughs> I live for the collapse. So other characters that might decide to take the plunge into lateral. Um, we have Therians in the furry community. These are people that are kind of, like, mythologically tied to their animal of choice. That's my shoe. Well, don't eat that either. There may be a, um, like a, a, a 
deep-seated desire to return to the wild, to return to the living world, and that may captivate somebody. They might spend a few years as a lateral to kind of have a spiritual journey. I kind of believe that cogs may have more religion than vectors too, just because they're more more human than vectors in so many ways, and they have an afterlife. <laughs> that I mean, there may there may be spirituality there. You've mentioned several times the great thumb drive in the sky. How many cogs do you think are reincarnations of those who have gone to the thumb drive and returned? Zero. How many think they are? I can't answer that question. <laughs> Interesting. Well, one of the uh, angles I was taking with the original version of, of this character, the, the engineer in the high design chrome greyhound cog body, is I, I like the idea. So, so in this game, uh, in this universe, when you buy a car, you're not buying a car; you're buying the license to the car, and that license might run out. And also, somebody can't buy that car from you because they don't have the license. It's going to turn to goo or whatever, probably. But the idea of what about licenses on cog bodies? I mean, you could certainly have a person make some sort of famous artist make a high design body, but there might be restrictive licensing on it. We're here to repo your body, sir. Don't resist. Exactly, but but um, but the, 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 they would hopefully have some laws saying, you know, well, well I, so I've been watching a lot of, of like Netflix, like a repo reality TV set. It got interrupted. Got interrupted. They repossess your body and they put you in the canine unit from Doctor Who. It wasn't funny back in the 21st century. <laughs> sure, it's hell not funny now. But you know, the, 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 the notion that maybe you could repossess, uh, even if you're legally within the rights to repossess a cog body, probably the rules would be you can't do it while somebody's in it. I believe they do have a background that covers that. Really? Um, oh, well, there you go. You're right, and, and I love the notion for that. Not that the, that the corporation owns you. They typically own your body. And the, the, the minute they can get you out of that body and just take the body and say, bye, <laughs> they would be totally ha- happy. It sounds like a lot of fun, but I, I, I'm not sure that this might be taking the cog idea weird places. Uh, because would cogs have, would they have designer bodies? Would they have special purpose bodies? Would they have art bodies? Because when we have, in the 21st century, people have art cars. They're not meant to be good cars, they're meant to be, that sure is interesting. Absolutely, yes. And I do take a little bit of a point for that because the games that I've been running have kind of been on the fringes and the, the dirty edge of space and uh-huh. society. Partially because of the choices that were made at the beginning, but partially because that's an area where I kind of enjoy exploring. But HSD definitely has the hyper-wealthy and the beyond hyper-wealthy and the 1% of the 1% of the 1% around. The High-end overall pet lifestyle certainly exists in various places on Mars, different places on Venus, some of the specialty space stations. Designer bodies, the vectors, the fog, absolutely out there. So I, I think that's well within the uh, scope of what HSU handles and provides, if that's the type of environment you want to play in. Yeah, I, I guess what, what an analogy could be that in, again, 21st century Earth, the ultra-wealthy, beautiful people have, you know, their relationships come and go faster than social social modifications go. And the plebs are like, oh, those people, they're, they're morally bankrupt. They don't live properly lives that we do. Well, probably in this universe, too. The average cog, the average, the average minnesotan cog might be, you know, well, you're going to want that body for a long time, so you want to want the but, right. but then there's the people, oh, you hear about, you know, oh, Sally, her, her daughter on the city, man, she has a new body every week. Yeah. Can't even think of it. Player characters are always kind of the 5%, not the 95%. Yeah. And uh, so they're going to be the ones that press the envelope on what's permissible in body shape. I think that 2.0 lends itself more to character classes, like old school D&D does, than you know, 1.0 in many ways. There's like some, some builds now that are fairly concrete. And one that would be really great for a lateral cog would be the combat hacker. You don't need hands, you just need to be able to stealth in, have a small profile, hide in a small space, control the world, and then run out as fast as you can. And that would be perfect for a like a lateral otter cog or something like that. Sure. Or a spy or recon. Mm-hmm. If you're not fighting, it's better way to see. I think there might be some challenges being a hacker cog. By opening yourself to the outgoing connections that you kind of require to hack into other to other networks, you're kind of opening yourself in a way to incoming counter Yeah, by that will power up. 
let's look at some maybe some pitfalls or tricks to building a, a lateral cog. And the temptation is to just kind of apply the lateral morphism to a cog character sheet, but you get some things like you have three uh, three planning surgeries at start, and I think that creates some awkward kind of conflicts there. Like you would, you probably wouldn't have venom sacks as a cog lateral snake, or maybe you would. It's certainly possible, but it feels out of character. Okay, well, so from my gamer perspective, the cogs, the, the cog chassis have certain advantages and disadvantages built in the left. And broadly speaking, the notion is a cog in a chassis is roughly equivalent to a bipedal vector. Yeah. Bipedal vectors have no special bonuses and no special minus. Uh, well, cogs get a variety of bonuses, like not only the or certain uh, options. But they set off metal detectors. But, but some minuses. Likewise, laterals gain a certain set of advantages, like the, the, the free surgeries, uh, while losing something. Uh, if we assume that each of these bodies is a approximate zero-sum, then combining two of them, combining the cog plus and minus with the lateral plus and minus, presumably should still be about zero. That definitely, it's up to the GM to say whether they, whether they believe this, and they should question it very closely and look at it. Is the player using this logic to get more out of it than they to run? Then they should. But I think the basic logic is the same. I think the logic is sound, although that is not the approach that I would personally take. Okay. Um, and because I think the vectors come with a certain amount of flexibility in the build that's kind of built into the way it layers on your family and some of the other choices. I think your cog, the choice of bodies that you get with the cog has a lot, is a lot more inflexible. It gives you a list of these are the things you get, these are the things that you lose as trade-off. And so were I to, were a player to pick a lateral hog play, I would want them to be more along the lines of, okay, well, let's go ahead and build a hog build for this uh, setup with these are the advantages, these are the disadvantages, and this is the list that's fairly complex. Both to kind of keep the flavor of the cog and to not infringe on being, well, I'm just a cyborg vector. So you said you don't want to be able to play a lateral box with wheels for box. You can. I mean, if that's how you want your setup to be. <laughs> <laughs> when I was thinking about, um, you know, what can you change in the, the, to make a lateral cog from a default frame, like a hexapod, you know, linear configuration. And you really don't have to change a lot. You, you have your modifications, and, and if you want to have a more animalistic one, you, you know, any uh, vector morphism or modification. No, not morphism. What's that word? Uh, morphism is like the body shape. Yeah, no, um... Reclaiming surgery? Yeah, reclaiming surgery can just be reproduced by the technology. Yeah, I mean, we have bioprinters, and presumably you can have, like, a, you know, a Capri Sun brand Venom pack or something like that. I just feel like it's a little off-model. Off, yeah. uh, off yeah, from a, you know, a, a gameplay and balancing um, situation, like, anything that a COG has, a vector, and, and vice versa, has essentially a... Uh, Almost an equivalent, just name something different. Well, like one thing we were talking about is um, the equivalent to the Ashtar's trying not to laugh about something. It's probably a sex joke. Yes, unconfirmed. Um, like the shape changing surgery, we're kind of toying with that as a way of doing something unusual. But that is a pulse brand surgery. It's worked with augmented biology and things like that. It's not necessarily developed for use with cogs because pulse does not particularly care about the cog market. So I think there's probably some surgeries where you can make some arguments that maybe this shouldn't be given to cogs because cogs have a different section of the world entirely. They don't have surgeries. It's like saying, I want a certain druid spell for my wizard to cast in D&D. There's reasons that it's not there. And they may not be very good reasons, but there is. Yeah, like common sense. You know, the, the, the piston assistance and uh, the soft pads, I think, uh, do essentially the same thing. Uh, but, you know, it's spontaneous changing of vector types probably happened once on a, a cog and it probably exploded. I don't know how we got past piston assistance without fingering, so points to all of us there. I think something that you were saying is that um, it's just easier maybe just to kind of wave your hands over things and just say, okay, so you're a hexapod, let's use the mechanics for hexapod and then ignore the fact that you don't have hands. It won't come up. You've got a, a built-in telekinetic tiara anyway. Maybe you don't even need to look at the rules that closely. You just kind of 
just say that it's done and, and um, I'm not worried about yeah. it. I find it in. Yeah, and I, that's pretty much what I was. I, my conclusion was you know, you don't have to go too deep because in, it doesn't really matter. Um, as long as the group is fine with it and the DM's like, I can work with this, it's a fantasy role playing game. It doesn't fit, matter that much. I think we're in agreement on this. There comes a time in each man's life when he can't even believe his own eyes. Well, after your description, I don't think I'd want to see it either. Is it true? Someone was referring to, I think it was a joke, Elon Musk expressing interest in the bird community, creating tons and tons of musky husky jokes. I don't know whether it's true, but I want to use it as an excuse to say musky husky. I'm Googling for it now. Okay. I mean, there was the Harry Potter thing that went around for a while there. He is an internet person now. Elon Musk tweets, per curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. That's what I was thinking of. I'm not going anywhere with that. I just want to see it. Uh, Musk says the rumors are untrue. I, I, I think I saw on some community website that they, they noted that like, the first response, response was somebody from Bad Dragon saying, hey, you are interested, you should check out our company. Why would it have to do that? <laughs> well, because they have an active social media team, would be the answer. Yes, and that's a good way to get some publicity for free. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's our required muscle story for <laughs> Glad I can help. Uh, let's see, some fun stories I saw uh, this week. Um, scientists are working out how to grow grapes on Mars. This one is very special to me because one of the first studies I wrote up was a uh, little, like, valley off of the Valles Marineris that was kind of wine country. And so I'm happy to see this has some justification in modern science now. The idea is that sulfurous spring bacteria can be used to convert Mars soil into dirt. Because of Mars's extreme radiation, the Vicitelli grape grows well, which makes a nice white wine. So do with that what you will. Have you actually tested this, or is this a I don't know how it works exactly. I know that there was some company for a while was making Mars dirt, which is like, I guess, super baked and chemically weird dirt oh. simulations. So maybe it's being used on that. I don't know. I don't think we have much Mars soil samples at this point. Probably yeah. not. I, I remember from reading up on, on the stuff in the past that they, they had numbers on how long like a turtle could survive in the Mars under the atmosphere or a frog or certain plants, which apparently they found out by putting these things in a atmosphere chamber and slowly mobilizing them. Texas cedar. Texas cedar probably should not, sure. Yeah. Um, Except, of course, there was no airlock that it became a plenty. Suddenly Mars is this lovely yellow color. Great <laughs> yellow. <laughs> Solasani Cthulhu. Did you read this article? I read that article. That was a good article. That was a good article. We should link that article. I will link that article. This is a fossilized, quote, sea monster, unquote, that was found in Britain. I think that it's, calling it a sea monster is kind of an exaggeration because it's about the size of a quarter. But um, it's got 45 tentacles. Uh, it's um, a little over an inch wide. And these tentacles look like they're some sort of hybrid of starfish and pine cone. It's really strange looking. The artist painted it green and then named it after Cthulhu. So, cool. It's, it's interesting. Uh, it's about 430 million years in the past at this point. It's sort of a sea cucumber and sort of a little horror. But, okay. I mean, again, it's not going to eat you or your soul. It's like an inch wide. A sleeper of the deep. But the big thing that was making these space science news was the photograph of a black hole. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. I read the New York Times article on this, and I have to say the science writing in the New York Times is so very florid, oh. saying that it looks like the eye of Sauron, it's a gate into the shadowy underworld and whatever. It was very purple. But it was a neat photograph, and it does look like the eyes are on. If you're going to post what basically looks like a glorious screensaver, screen you've got to turn it up. I do wish that I had a video of the room where the scientists were unveiled this, because it sounded like the, the rooms went wild. I mean, oh. A photograph of a black hole, that's pretty amazing. It's like an orange ring around a black disc. But still, um, it, took nine, yes. <laughs> it took nine telescopes to make it. The black hole is in the heart of the galaxy, Messier 87, a great many million light years from us, so it's not visiting anytime soon, but it is a neat photograph. Yeah, that, that was amazing by itself because I just assumed we had looked at one, or at least the, you know, that, that, that halo around it. We had seen it before. Well, I think that there must be some like new kind of interferometry because there was a number of telescopes engaged at the same time, and some uh, a grad student actually organized a lot of the research. Oh, that's, this. that's, that's kind of cool. cool. A non-professional um, fossil hunter 
discovered the essentially hour a fossilized remains of essentially hours after the uh, 66 million years ago asteroid impact. Huh? What was this? Oh, oh right. I, I heard some, some discussion of that. Yeah. Where was this? What was this? They, 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 they found some fossils or apparently made, yeah, as what you're saying, just hours after the impact because they're seeing um, like higher altitude plants mixed with sea life. <laughs> it's only going to happen with horrible tsunamis and stuff like that. Splash some fossils. Yeah, this is the first time they found something from that particular... They say a, a, a lot of the later evidence is of iridium falling to the Earth oh. the impact. Oh, it's that asteroid. Right. Yes. Uh, but, but, but that stuff would happen like, in the months and years after the impact. Huh. Like, this is from the day... Wow. Uh, very, very shortly after it. That is very exciting. That is neat. It's terrifying. They found potentially raptor feathers. <laughs> Squawk! <laughs> yeah, ra- raptor feathers, uh, you know, sea debris, early trees, insects, everything mis- mixed together in just one area. Also, the world's most startled looking fossil of a mollusk. <laughs> <laughs> it shells a foot away from the rest of the body. <laughs> it's unrolled. <laughs> That's kind of smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think I'm going to stop it there. Fleshy, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a treat. And uh, for giving us this little thing. Yeah, it was terrifying. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and that's it for our 50th episode, which I think is an amazing milestone for any podcast in general. That's really cool. Uh, next week, we're going to do, I think, what was going to be the 50th episode, but it's a sub, uh, a look at running a campaign in year 100. Uh, I'll look forward to that as well. Uh, so... Uh, Looking forward to the next 50 episodes and catch the outro line. Intro music is Future Club and outro music is Tronicles, both by Serious Beat. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Radio Free Demos and may be used in any not-for-profit project with appropriate credit and notification. Check out our website, RadioFreeDemos.com, that's D-E-I-M-O-S, for more rambling, resources, links to official and fan-driven content, and our full catalog of episodes. And look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.